Let's make Vision Zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Welcome, everybody, to the NFL Show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. The NFL Show is brought to you by Replenishing Care and Technologies. Check them out at rcandt.com. I am your host for the NFL Show, Mike Goodpaster. Right now, let me welcome in the co-host, probably the greatest co-host that's ever lived, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? All right. And we had a lot of offense again yesterday. We're going to start off with my favorite game, even though I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan. The Cleveland Browns beat the Dallas Cowboys 49 to 38. Number one, Sam, did you know anybody that thought the Browns would win this game? You know, I can't think of anyone, Mike. I don't think I've ever heard that Cleveland's going to win this game from anybody. Now, you, you did pick this one. I did pick Dallas. That was one of the ones I got wrong the other day. And you're, I gave Dallas too much credit. It turns out their coaching is bad. Their defense is the worst probably in the league. And their offense can't keep up with everyone else's. Yeah, well, their offense can't keep up everybody else's just because their defense can't slow anybody down. And yesterday, Cleveland looked like the Barry Switzer Oklahoma Sooners in the late 70s and early 80s as they put up 307 yards. Baker Mayfield doesn't have to do a lot when you're running for 307 yards. The Dallas Cowboys are a mess. The Philadelphia Eagles are now in first place. And really, NFC East-wise, I think the Eagles are going to win the division just because they got Doug Peterson, and he's going to figure out ways to win games like he did last night as opposed to Mike McCarthy, who's a joke in Dallas. And the Cowboys, I, I I keep seeing all the Cowboy fans talk about let's fire a defensive coordinator. The problem is they don't have the players. No, they don't have the players. They don't have the personnel to pull this off. And part of that is on Dallas for office and McCarthy for not prioritizing getting better defensive pieces because they really don't have anyone. I mean, they got Jalen Smith, who's all right. They have Demarcus Lawrence, who hasn't really limited to the contract he signed. You have issues there defensively, and you clearly didn't fill them at all. We knew the safety and defensive backs was going to be a problem. We knew that months ago, and yet they didn't address that properly. You cut ha-ha Clinton Dix, which to me doesn't make any sense still because you could still use that guy. He's someone you absolutely need back there. And, and it's just a terrible defense. Mike McCarthy's offense is running the way he wants it to, but really that's not going to win them a lot of games. That's not a proper coaching style to go out there and get this team to the playoffs. All right, now there is one guy that I think could help this team right now. He's a defensive coordinator that's unemployed that used to be the head coach in Dallas, and that's Wade Phillips, who said he is looking to come back to the NFL. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm getting a hold of Wade Phillips. Yeah, he kind of scapegoated a little bit with the Rams. It really wasn't his fault. The Rams had an issue with their defensive personnel. That's why he got kicked out of Los Angeles. But really, what he's done since leaving Dallas, I think he's proven himself as to be an able defensive coordinator. And certainly he's going to be better than whatever they have right there. And if there's someone who I trust to go out there, and put at least something together. Work out some kind of scheme defensively that will use the limited pieces Dallas has. It's Wade Phillips. He could pull something off. All right, next up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, just when he looked old, comes up those five touchdown passes. Justin Herbert played really well, but in the end, it was Tom Brady who walked away victorious, as he often does. The Bucs are now 3-1. and one. They can score points, but this defense is bad, especially in the secondary. Yeah, there's some real issues here. I think the defensive front is still pretty solid. You got Levante David, 
Devin White, now can sue Jason Pierre, Paul, Shaq Barrett. You've got pieces up front. That's fine. The defensive backfield, like we thought about before the year started, they're going to have problems. And I think they have Antoine Winfield Jr. back there. He's probably their only really good defensive back at the moment. Brady's still a very good quarterback, and we obviously saw it the other day, but I don't know if he's a guy who can count on consistently to go out and get 35 points per game, which is what Tampa Bay might have to do if they face higher power offenses consistently. Yeah, and I think when we look at this, though, it's different than Dallas. I think there's more players on the Tampa Bay defense where it's possible they can get better. I don't see those players in Dallas. And when we look at the Chargers, uh, this is a team that if Justin Herbert's the real deal, even though they're missing Derwin James, they could get get the seven or eight wins and maybe grab that last wild card spot. Yeah, the big issue for them might be losing Austin Eckler for a few games. He went down with an injury the other day. And obviously they didn't run the ball very well. I mean, Herbert was their leading rusher with 14 yards. So they without Eckler, my concern is they're going to be a one-dimensional team. But Herbert, I mean, with, besides that one interception very late in the game, I think he had a perfect passer in before that. So really – playing phenomenal football, and he's a guy who I've been up and down for in the past. I didn't have a great evaluation or opinion of him coming out of the draft, but if you can put on a performance like this consistently, and you're automatically probably going to be one of the top 16 quarterbacks in the NFL. All right, next up, the Philadelphia Eagles go to San Francisco and stun the 49ers 25-20 to last night. Carson Wentz, 42-yard bomb to Travis Fulgham was the final score, and we talk about Carson Wentz, and everybody jokes about it with all the interceptions. But this is a guy who is really under the gun with no real offense around him. The offensive line is bad. And he has figured out a way to win the game, which is the important thing. My big question here is the 49ers. I still had them ranked fairly high after last week. They're a deep team. But all these all these injuries are going to bite them in the ass eventually. And it looks like it's starting to happen now. Yeah, I mean, they did get George Kittle back, but they're a little bit thin at running back at the moment. The receiving core is not that great, even though they got Brandon Ayuk <laughs> and Debo Samuel back. They had to switch quarterbacks because Nick Mullins wasn't playing that well. He wasn't getting it done towards the end of the game. And frankly, Trent Williams, who they got in the offseason, he really didn't perform well last night at all. So they're in a situation now where if you don't have that sturdy offensive line that you relied on in the past, you have so many injuries that everywhere else that it's going to start looking bad. You're going to start seeing it bleed into their game. If that offensive line goes down, the rest of this offense is going to crumble right behind it. Yeah, and, and Trent Williams was a guy who didn't play last year. And when you look at that, I mean, he's not a young guy. I mean, he's not old. He's, what, around 30 years old? But when you look at him, what I saw last night was a guy that looked a little old and slow with his feet, and that led to he tends to lean now. And he was getting beat off the edge repeatedly. And the one thing about the Philadelphia Eagles that gives them some hope, even though they have issues everywhere, their defensive line the last couple of weeks has played really well. Yeah, they didn't get a pass rush going. And that's really what's going to save them here, especially against a team like the 49ers where Trent Williams is 32 years old. He's not looking in his best shape. Really, if they can get pressure on quarterbacks, maybe force some interceptions, maybe force some fumbles. Turnovers can really help them out a lot. And just being able to hopefully make another team one-dimensional because otherwise they're really going to have a long day. All right, and Alex Singleton last night with a pick six interception. The reason I bring that up is me and former CFL legend Robert Drummond. We do a CFL weekly show. That of course, we haven't been able to do this year because there is no season. But Singleton is a guy who came from the Calgary Stampeders who has stepped up, played really well for the Eagles. And I, I really, right now, if I had to pick a winner in the NFC East, even though I don't think they're very good at all, I would go with the Eagles. 
I mean, look, we talked about Dallas has their own offensive line problems as well. And they're off and they haven't been winning games. The style of play just doesn't win games. I would rather trust Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz down the line, even though they haven't been great this year, to win games and get seven or eight wins to maybe make the playoffs. I'd much rather have that duo than Dak Prescott and Mark McCarthy. But if you get down to it, if you look at the Cowboys, without that onside kick, getting it back, this would be a winless team right now. Yeah, they're not. And really, they've gotten down basically in every game they play. I mean, they almost came, they almost came back in Seattle. They did come back against Atlanta. But really, this is not a team that's performed well in the first three quarters of football games. I, I can't give them any credit really at this point. They put up yards, yeah, but really it doesn't matter because you're, you're basically losing most of your games. All right, now the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens rebounded from a rough outing last week offensively when the Kansas City Chiefs held the Ravens at just 228 yards. Um, Lamar Jackson played all right yesterday. They beat the Washington football team 31-17. to Actually, Dwayne Haskins was pulled in favor. Or, or, there's got to be a switch at quarterback. I mean, Dwayne Haskins for Dwayne Haskins played all right yesterday. But this is a team that is still in the hunt in this really bad division. And I can't see why you wouldn't at least give Kyle Allen a shot. Yeah, you're half a game back. I mean, you've got to give a chance to some of these guys here. No, Alex Smith, we've talked about him. I don't really know how many reps he's gotten so far this, this season, how many times he's actually played uh, in a full-on practice situation. So we'll see with him. But Kyle Allen, at the very least, I know Kyle Allen can move the ball down the field consistently. He had some turnover issues in Carolina. But also, this is a guy who's won games in the past. I trust Kyle Allen to at least win a couple of games a year. Dwayne Haskins, he's not the guy for me. I know he didn't turn the ball over yesterday, at least didn't throw an interception. But at the same time, he's, he's wildly inaccurate. He, he's no mobility whatsoever. There's just so many negatives here. I can't believe they still have him as the starting quarterback. All right. The Indianapolis Colts. Well, one of the best defenses in the NFL so far this year. And to me, they stand out as one of the few legit stingy units in the NFL. They've got DeForest Buckner in the middle deflating the pocket. you got Justin Houston screeching off the edge. I mean, this is a team that all of a sudden I think we got to take more seriously, especially if they can run the ball with that because that is how you win football games. Yeah, they did have trouble running the ball the other day, which is why they only won 19-11. to 11. But if your defense is working, and it was, and you're holding their team to just 11 points, you're going to win those game kind of games. You really don't have to score 30 points if your defense is playing that well. My issue always comes down to Philip Rivers because you do get in a situation where you get down early in a football game or you get into a shootout. Philip Rivers is probably not going to be able to hold it. He's probably not going to be able to pull through for you just based on what we've seen so far. He's definitely just a game manager at this point. I don't see him being a, a real difference maker in terms of what he can do on the football field. Yeah, when you look at Nick Foles and his game for the Bears, not much better than what Mitch Trubisky does. He was 26-42, 249 yards. That looks great. But 90 of those yards, and he's only TD, came in the last minute or two when the Colts basically played prevent. And when you look at this, I know the Bears are sitting at 3-1, and one, but I have a hard time thinking they're a contender for much of anything. No, and you wonder when will they come crashing down. I think it's going to happen at some point this year. I think there's a good chance they miss the playoffs. But, you know, statistically speaking, after starting 3-0, it doesn't happen very often. The Chicago team, I mean, they got a decent defense, but they, their offense is really bad. They have some real serious issues here. And, frankly, I know Nick Foles is a good off-the-bench kind of guy. He's good for the final five games of the year. But, frankly, I don't see him being the kind of guy who can play 16 or 12 games and get you to the postseason. Well, you can if you've got the players around him. We proved that in Philadelphia. He doesn't have that kind of talent around him right now. All right, next up, the Buffalo Bills beat the Las Vegas Raiders 30-23. to 
I watched this game. I don't think the game was as close as the score would indicate. I, I thought the Bills pretty much took care of this game. Josh Allen played well again. Um, you had Stephon Diggs once again, John Brown. When I look at this team, the more I look at them, I think this is the at least at worst the second best team in the AFC right now, Sam. Yeah, because we saw cracks from Baltimore in the past two weeks. And I really think at this point, Josh Allen's playing much better than Lamar Jackson so far this year. And I think based on what we've seen, the Bills defense has had some hiccups this year that we really didn't expect they played so well this past they still played so well in 2019. I mean, that, that offense right now, I think that offense just as hot as Kansas City's, really. I mean, those two offenses are probably performing the best out of any teams in the AFC. And right now, with a decent enough defense, Buffalo is a top three, if not a top two team in that division or conference. Well, you know what? I could make the case that I think the Buffalo Bills might be the best team in football right now, Sam. Really? You're going to go that far? You're going to take Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs down and put Buffalo up there? Well, I think Buffalo has a better defense. And when you look at that, I don't think there's as big a difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as you think. You're going to question that a little bit, Mike. I mean, I understand I'm what not you're saying. Anything. All I can tell you is this. When you look at him coming out of college, Josh Allen had the better skill set. Patrick Mahomes is in the perfect offense to negate Patrick Mahomes' issues. Patrick Mahomes' issues in college was the fact that he had a tendency to overthrow receivers and he was not good at hitting the hot route. He's still not great at hitting the hot route, and it's hard to overthrow overthrow the receivers he's got in Kansas City. Josh Allen has some of the same issues at points, but I think Stephon Diggs is really mitigated some of those deep ball issues he's had where he can blow the ball five yards over the head of his receivers. That's kind point. of what I'm saying, Sam. I think <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are a lot alike. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm still – I. Uh, I had a very negative opinion of Josh Allen coming out of college, and it's still lingering in the back of my mind a little bit. Well, you won't have for much longer. Next up, the Detroit Lions, for the sixth time in six games, had a double-digit lead and lost a game, which is a NFL record. Detroit was up 14 to nothing yesterday. The New Orleans Saints came back, dominated the game. Detroit did claw back right at the end. But to me, still in Detroit, the issue is coaching. I think there's good enough players here to win football games, but it seems like they can't keep leads, which to me is the game goes deeper and deeper, and you're losing a lot of close games at the end. That usually points to coaching to me. Yeah, and we've talked about this with Detroit in the past. These past two years, they've had plenty of games where it's been just a one-score difference between them and the opposing team. They've had leads in the past. They really should have won probably eight games this past year. They didn't. They really should have probably two or three wins at this point. They don't. And the issue with them is that they – at least defensively, have not been able to hold up. The coaching has been bad. The game management has been great. There are so many issues here. And I point directly at Matt Patricia, who is supposedly a very good defensive coordinator in New England. At this point, the defense in, in Detroit has been horrendous at times. And I think this team has to be blown up. At least the head coaching staff has to be blown up here, preferably before the end of the year at this point. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Traquan Smith. On crossing routes and Emmanuel Sanders finding soft cushions cushions in zone, I think this offense with the Saints stretched the field, which they had not been doing without Michael Thomas, and I think Drew Brees showed that he's still got something left in the tank. Yeah, Brees has played better the past two weeks. You know, he had, I think it was week two or week three, he had a really bad outing. But he's played better recently. 
He's getting adjusted to life without Michael Thomas, so hopefully they'll get him back soon. Obviously, they'd rather have him. But it did take a couple weeks for them to actually adjust to not having Michael Thomas. Uh, that's a little bit worrisome to me because it took them – it did take them two or three games to get used to life without Michael Thomas. And that's something usually we expect the coaching staff to be able to put in place really quickly. So I am a little bit concerned about the situation there in New Orleans if there are more injuries because of how slowly they adjusted. At the same time, if everyone just gets healthy, they'll be fine. Well, and the other issue in Detroit, time's got to be getting short for Matt Patricia because let's face it, his defense couldn't stop a grade school girls pillow fight. I mean, it has <laughs> been absolutely horrendous. Matthew Stafford hasn't helped. I mean, his plays up and down. He misses too many throws. He's taking bad sacks. Seems like every week he throws a terrible interception. And, I mean, he badly underthrew TJ Hawkinson in the end zone for a Patrick Robertson pick. So when you combine all this, the Detroit Lions are just destined for another season of ineptitude. Really, what else do we know at this point? The only player, I think, on Detroit who plays consistently at a high level is Kenny Galladay. And this is a guy who's, who's consistently produced touchdowns. He's always making plays. He's one of the only bright spots really in Detroit at this point. And he's going to be a free agent this offseason. So really, we're in a situation where the Lions might be uh, devoid of almost all their talented pieces at the end of the year. All right, let's go to Seattle or Miami since the game was in Miami where Seattle beats the Dolphins 31-23. And the emergence of Seahawk wideout DK Madcalf continues. And the way he bullies his way off the line of scrimmage and releases, I mean, he has overpowering physicality. And on his last catch of the game, he, he bullied his way to the Miami one on a 32-yard reception, setting up a score to put the game away for Seattle, who's still undefeated right now. He finished with 106 yards. The scary thing about DK Metcalf is this. He bowls his way through releases, and I haven't seen too many guys that could do that, and he does it against everybody he plays. Yeah, he's still a really young guy. I mean, this is his second year in the league. He's 22 years old, going on 23. And right now, he's got the league lead in receiving yards. I think he's tied with Stephon Diggs at 403. He's averaging 25.2 yards per reception. If he keeps this pace up, at the end of the year, he'll have 12 receiving touchdowns and will have over 1,600 receiving yards. This guy is a beast. He's headed for an all-pro caliber season in his second year in the NFL. And he's capitalizing on all that physicality. Of course, playing with Russell Wilson doesn't hurt. He's one of the best deep ball passers, if not the best deep ball passer in the NFL at this point. But Metcalf, I think Metcalf is transforming into a top five wide receiver before our very eyes. Yeah, and you got Tyler Lockett and David Moore also. When I look at the Dolphins, I think Dolphin fans just need to calm down here. I think Brian Flores and his staff do a great job there. It's not like they were totally blown out of this game. And I think the Dolphins, for for what people thought this year, I think the expectations were unreasonable. I think this is a team, if they win five or six games, I think that's about where they should be. And then next year, you unveil Tula. At least that looks like what they're planning on doing. Yeah, so far it seems to be what they're headed for. I mean, they – I think people got too excited when they heard uh, Tom Brady was leading New England. They really thought the division would be up for grabs. They thought that maybe the Dolphins might actually have a hand in that. They really didn't have a chance to begin with, but they thought they could get a shot at maybe a division title. Really, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Tua before the end of the year. Like, why don't you start playing him a little bit towards the back end of the season? I, I don't know if you have to wait the entire time. I think waiting for a full year. I mean, if you invest that high of a draft pick in a guy, why not play him at least a little bit in his rookie season? Yeah, I would say play him now because you can still make a run at the playoffs if he's as good as what a lot of us think. 
All right, yesterday the Cincinnati Bengals got their first win of the season with a 33-25 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe Mixon ran 25 times for 151 yards. Joe Burrow, 25 of 36 for 300 yards, again, becoming the first rookie to break 300 yards passing in three consecutive games in NFL history. Um, you had Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, all made huge contributions. The question here, is A.J. Green done? Because he doesn't look like A.J. Green anymore. Yeah, he doesn't look like a lot of things right now. He doesn't look like a starter at this point. And we talked a little bit about this last night, but really, if he can't adjust or if someone doesn't help him adjust to his new role on this team, uh, he's a free agent this offseason, isn't he? It's going to be out of the league potentially because this is the guy where I can see just hitting a wall and not recovering. He's never been a kind of guy that has ego get in the way. But at the same point, he's playing so poorly right now. Having him out in the field doesn't really make a big difference for Cincinnati. I don't think so. Well, I think he's got to learn how to become a possession receiver if he wants to continue to play. And the problem is the Bengals re-upped him, gave him a big contract, and that's not what you do with a possession receiver. So I think there's issues there. We look at Jacksonville. I, I think they're going to have a new coach soon. I mean, this team's just not very good. I mean, their defensive line actually made the Bengals' offensive line look like they were pretty good yesterday. Yeah, you know, after what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that takes a lot of effort to do something like that. They're all, yeah, their defensive line has been terrible. It's been well. The Bengals did make some changes. They put Alex Redman at right guard, which last week Fred Johnson and David Billy Price were absolutely horrible. Jonah Williams played much better yesterday. I think the Bengals blocked the run a little bit better. I think that you saw a little bit more pin pull to get the ball to the outside, and so I think the Bengals' offensive line was improved yesterday. But show me improved when they go to Baltimore, and then I'll believe it. Yeah, this is the situation. I mean, Joe Mixon ran for 150 yards the other day. The issue is that you can't replicate that if you're Cincinnati against a really good team like Baltimore or a defensive like Pittsburgh right now. If you can do it against those teams, you'll win more games because you'll actually have a two-dimensional offense. But if you're only throwing the ball against those teams because you can't run block, then you're really in a situation where you'll be lucky if you win five or six games. Well, I actually believe this. Alex Redman is one of the reasons they could run the ball. He's a really good run blocker. So I think the team has a chance. I think the problem is over the next six or seven games, they play a lot of teams that are run-dominant teams, and I don't think that they can stop the run. And I think that's going to be the thing that bites them in the ass. Like I told you earlier, I could see them starting off the season 1-6-1 one, and one, and finishing 7-8-1 and one, just because they get away from the run-dominant teams. Because you're in the AFC North. I mean, you've got Cleveland and Baltimore to deal with. And you still got three games with those guys left, and I don't see them beating either one of those teams just because of the inability to run the ball. Next up, the Carolina Panthers, 31. Sam's Arizona Cardinals, 21, as they suffered their second straight loss. Teddy Bridgewater played probably his best game as a Panther, threw for 276 yards, two touchdowns. So the question is, did we overrate the Arizona Cardinals, Sam? I think we overrated the Cardinals and slowly underrated the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey have done much better than I expected, at least offensively. They've been able to score points fairly consistently. I mean, they, had, they had 30 in week one. They only had 17 against the Bucks in week two. They won against the Chargers this past week, and then they and they won and beat Arizona. Really, this is a better team than what I expected. Defensively, too, they have a better defense because they have a lot of young pieces, but they're better than what I thought they would be. On the other side for Arizona – I got a little excited. I jumped the gun a little bit in the first two weeks. Kyler Murray still having a little bunch of issues. And really, the Carolina, I think mean the Arizona Cardinals are still probably two years away from being a really competitive team. 
Well, I think the big problem is I think people are overrating Kyler Murray, who I think has a chance to be a good player. But I'll still go back to this. I think Cliff Kingsbury is in over his head, and that's going to be an issue until they get a new coach there. I mean, yeah, we see a bunch of guys like this, a bunch of young guys who want to go in and just throw the ball 40 times a game. They come in and try to run college-style offenses. And Cliff Kingsbury's guy hasn't proved himself at any point in time. Really, if you're Arizona and trying to rebuild your franchise with new head coach, new quarterback, that was a questionable hire to begin with. And if it continues the way it's going, he'll be out in Arizona in three or four years. All right, next up, the Minnesota Vikings in a battle of 0-3 teams got their first win with a 31-23 victory over the Houston Texans. Dalvin Cook played well. Kirk Cousins actually threw a little play action yesterday, 16-26, 260 yards and a touchdown. The Texans made a valiant comeback attempt, as they always seem to do. But they came up short. This is a team that is now 0-4. Bill O'Brien and Mike Zimmer, to me, are both on the hot seat. I think O'Brien's hot seat's so bad that his hair is on fire. I think the Texans are done for this season. Um, do you think the Vikings have any hope? Because there's still a lot of talent in Minnesota. Yeah, there is. But I really I don't give the Vikings much of a chance just because I don't like the Bears. I think Minnesota is definitely better than Chicago, but the Bears are 3-1. I think Detroit honestly has more of an X factor to them than Minnesota at this point. Green Bay's just been overpowering. Even with the extra wild card spot, I don't see a situation in which the Vikings recover. I mean, their next two of their next three games against Seattle and Green Bay, those are both going to be losses. So, to me, the Vikings are probably dead in the water. And the only reason Bill O'Brien hasn't been fired in Houston is because he's the actual GM, and he's been preventing himself from getting cut loose from that team. Well, the owner can fire him at any point, though, and that will happen sooner or later. All right, the Los Angeles Rams were huge favorites over the New York Giants. The Giants got totally decimated at home by the San Francisco 49ers last week, but the Giants' defense played valiantly. And they gave up a backbreaker when Jared Goff found a wide open Cooper Cup down the middle of the field for a 55-yard touchdown to put Saint or put LA ahead 17 to nine midway through the fourth quarter. Um, the Giants' offense was putrid, but the defense played well, and it's the same thing. I, I know I rip a lot of coaches. I think Joe Judge is actually not doing a bad job in New York. I don't think there's a lot of talent there, but I think these guys play really hard. And I think it reminds me of Sean McDermott with the Bills when he first got there, where even though they were getting beat, you could see the fight in the team. And that's got to give you hope when you look at the Giants in the future. Yeah, it starts with the effort and then it transitions to really for me, defense and offensive line play. Those are where you're mainly looking for some success. And right now, the, the Giants have a talented defensive front. I mean, you got Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, uh, Dalvin Thompson. They have players who are very good at stopping the run on that unit. So there are good pieces there. I just don't think that Daniel Jones is the answer. And of course you're starting Wayne Goldman, a Clemson back, which obviously I love my Clemson guys, but the same point, he's not a starting caliber running back in the NFL. He's nowhere near going to replace Saquon Barkley. That offense is under talented. And frankly, Daniel Jones, I mean, he's looked much worse this year than he did as a rookie. At least as a rookie, he's moving the ball fairly well. This year he came and do that without turning it over. I think this is, Really showing us what Daniel Jones is going to be. Maybe have one more year left in him as a starter, but he's been terrible so far. All right, let's take a quick look at tonight's games. The New England Patriots will go to Kansas City to battle the Chiefs. Now, Sonny Michelle's out, their top running back. Cam Newton's out, their quarterback. Any chance here? No, I'm not giving them any chance. I'm taking Kansas City all day. I know Bill Belichick's a great head coach and all that, but at the same point, missing your starting running back, missing your starting quarterback. Unless Jared Stidham comes out and plays really well and plays unexpectedly well, there's no way the Patriots are going to win this game. 
Yeah, but you do know the fact that Bill Belichick's on the other sideline is what keeps this game interesting. Oh yeah, he makes well, he makes every game interesting. Whenever you have a really good head coach on the one side, especially a transcendent head coach like Belichick, there's always the doors left a little bit open for something special to happen. All right. Tonight, the late game as Sega starts just before nine, the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, undefeated, host the winless Atlanta Falcons. I do think the Falcons have a small chance here just because they could score a lot of points, but I think this is still gonna end up being a Packer beat down by double digits. Yeah, and they have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones coming back for Atlanta while Devontae Adams is out for Green Bay. I'll be interested to see how that plays out, but Alan Lazard has been picking up the slack in Green Bay as their second receiver. I think the Packers still win. It's Aaron Rodgers versus Matt Ryan, but really Rodgers is the better supporting cast. Green Bay has a much better defense. They're just a better overall team. And after everything Dan Quinn's had happened to this team in the last couple of weeks, I don't see how Atlanta is actually going to go out there and win this game. Yeah, I don't either. wonder if Raheem Morris is expecting the Packers to throw the ball a little bit. I wonder if he's expecting Aaron Rodgers to play quarterback. I mean, who never knows? Raheem Morris, I still don't understand. You should never have said that. I don't know why you come out publicly and say a comment like that. Well, maybe he's just an idiot. <laughs> maybe, because you're basically asking to get fired at that point. Yeah, there's no doubt you're asking to get fired. But he's asking to get fired just by being a defensive coordinator for Dan Quinn. That's true. Dan Quinn's asking to get fired. Well, yeah, he should be. He sucks. But I don't Yeah, I just think that Dan Quinn, I, mean, I don't know. I think the guy's a good football coach. I just think when you lose a 20-3 lead in the Super Bowl, basically with 17 minutes left, it's hard to come back from that, unless you're a guy that's been there before and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, now the stigma is going to be forever for him is that your team's the team that gets, lets up all these comebacks all the time. I don't think there's any hope of him recovering in the land. I think we both agree he should be fired sooner rather than later. And really, I don't know. He might have hurt the Falcons so much to the point that I don't know if Matt Ryan's ever going to get another chance at maybe playing for a competitive team, at least in the land. Yeah, but really, you go in there, you make a few free agent signings on defense, you draft a couple guys on defense. We've seen it. We've seen worse, worse circumstances changed quickly in the NFL than we do in most other sports. That's true. I still think the offensive line's a big problem. They have a lot of high draft picks there, but really – they haven't really developed and haven't performed at a high level. So that offensive line is a question. Todd Gilly is going to be a free agent. He hasn't played that very well to begin with anyways. He's a free agent after this year. They're going to need a running back. So there's there's a there's definitely a passing in there. There's all the offensive weapons you need for a passing team. Other than that, there are huge holes everywhere in this team. All right. You know how to use the share screen on this? Uh, was it click share screen? I'm going to click it just for the hell of it and see what happens. Yeah, I'm good. Uh. <laughs> I think you hit the blue share screen button and it'll ask you what window you want to share. Really? All right. I'm sure everybody's riveted by us doing this. Um, Sam, right now, who's the best team in the AFC? Who's the best team in the NFC? I'm still sticking with Kansas City. I know you're pushing Buffalo, but I'm still sticking with Patrick Mahomes. I'm waiting there until I see Josh Allen go out and win a playoff game. I don't care if that makes you wrong for the rest of the year. I will just wait, and I'll sit here on this hill, and I will die here if I have to. But I think Kansas City is still the best team in, in the AFC and in the NFC. I will say Green Bay or Seattle. I'll take Green Bay. 
All right, I'm going to go Seattle and Buffalo. It's an old AFC matchup. Is, is this showing up? The Yeah, I can see it. All right, I just wanted to bring up the fact that we do now have a GoFundMe for the Grilling Truth Sports Network. That's so I can pay Sam Teets. Um, but really, we were doing great till the COVID hit. No sports. We lost a lot of our sponsors because a lot of them were betting sites with no sports. That, you know. Kind of hurt. So if you can go to GoFundMe, just even if it's a dollar, two dollars, just share it. So maybe we can get a little help there. But Sam, you want to tell everybody about the Sam and Sam show, which they can find, you know, all over the internet right now. Also, you guys had a show last night. I thought it was really good. Yeah, me and McGinnis from the show last night called the Sam and Sam show. It's our third episode. We're at about a thousand views already uh, as of this morning. So we're hoping that's going to continue to do well. But we're going to be running that every Friday now consistently in the afternoon. So hopefully you guys have time to go stop by every Friday, check it out. And even if you don't have time to stop by while it's live, it'll be posted on the Gorilla Truth Facebook page later. Yeah, tomorrow we'll actually have a link in the box there where we can send out the part for the Help Fund the Gorilla Truth Sports Network, which we put a lot of YouTube videos on Facebook and on YouTube. It costs money to do that. It costs money to do the shows, especially through Spreaker and all that. So if you get a chance and you can help us out, I would appreciate it. Me and Sam are here every Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern time. We will be back tomorrow where Sam, I guess, are we doing the quarterback rankings tomorrow? Yeah, I'll have those ready for tomorrow. All right, so we'll recap the two games for tonight. We'll look at Sam's quarterback rankings. I'll pick them apart. Josh Allen better be top five still. He will be. Don't worry about it. He might be top three this week. All right. So, guys, make sure you check us out. Podcast form on iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find sports podcasts, you'll find The Grueling Truth. And listen to us live every day on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. But for now, for Sam Teets, I'm Mike Goodpaster. You've been watching and listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, Keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.